2: Welcome to the Action Network podcast. I'm Brandon Anderson here with Raheem Palmer to wrap up a snooze fest of a week seven slate. Only one game all day, closer than eight points. Uh, we had margins of two, nine, 11, 12, 14, 22, 24, 24, 26, 35, and 41 points. Average winning score today 20 points even. The AFC is upside down. We got the Raiders, the Bengals and the Titans all tied for the one seed right now. Raheem, I had a brutal day with picks today, but somehow came out slightly ahead with that Colts upset special at the end. Did you fare any better than me today?
1: I pretty much was just drinking the juice today. I was, I think I was like, Six and five in NFL, so, I mean, I didn't really make anything. It's just <laughs> – it is a tough day for the – like, if you're a, a sharp better, like, these last three weeks have just been brutal. I mean, when you look at – look at the Washington football team. They took steam down from plus 10 to plus 7.5. The Green Bay Packers cover. You look at a game like the, the Eagles. There's a lot of sharp money on the Philadelphia Eagles at plus 3.5. That thing closed plus plus two. Plus one and a half. Eagles go out there and get blown out. You look at the the Houston, Texas. They took some sharp money. They got blown out thirty-one to five. It's just a, it's a tough week to be a, a math analytical better. Right now, the public is just they're making a killing right now. So keep doing what you're doing. I, I, I want to see guys win. So I, I'm I'm never yeah. going to hate that.
2: But tough week, me, tough October. I feel like we're on about like three weeks in a row that have the same sort of feeling. Like it. It feels like like you know, you get to March Madness, just survive in advance. Like I feel like just, just get through the week. Okay, we I didn't get crushed. I somehow came out about even again. All right, okay, good, done. Get rid of the week, on to the next one. So we will talk through some of these games today. We're actually gonna mix things up a little bit with, with such a rough slate. We're gonna go through a couple of these early games, but then we decided we would just want to go on a deep dive through the AFC playoff picture. Very wonky standings right now, really wide open. So uh we're gonna. Start with a couple of games, and eventually we'll touch on every game like usual, all the betting takeaways, and hit out Monday Night Football and the Week 8 Hot Read. As always, Odds Today from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. So let's start out with the big, biggest upset of the day, which turned out to be barely even watchable by the end, a blowout as the Bengals go into Baltimore and curb-stop the Ravens 41-17, Lamar Jackson's first loss ever in October, first loss ever to the Bengals, Cincinnati's biggest win ever against Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore was the one seed before the day, and now they're not even leading the division. Cincinnati is currently the AFC one seed, the Cincinnati Bengals, your one seed. Where do we start with this one?
1: I think it just says a lot about the Cincinnati Bengals. They built their roster. They they built up the D-line. And free agency, and they did everything that they needed to do to prepare for this matchup. And for them to get it done in this manner, it really even wasn't com- competitive. Joseph Burrow went out there 23 of 38, 416 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I mean, Jamar Chase was the guy today, eight receptions, 201 yards, one touchdown. But it was the defense that was just absolutely amazing. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, the Bengals just dominated on both sides of the ball. Winning yard yardage, 520, 393 yards mm-hmm. per play, 8.3 to 5.5. I mean, obviously, Baltimore, they struggled in the red zone. They were one for four, but it says a lot about the Ravens' defense. And you look at the Ravens' defense, they're like the third team all time to allow three 400-yard passes in the first seven games of the season. So that's a concern. I think I mean, they were able to shut down Justin Herbert last week, but – Right now, their passive defense isn't great at all.
2: Yeah, I almost feel like this game told me more about the Ravens' defense than it did about the Bengals' defense. Eight point three yards per play for the Bengals, and granted, that was boosted by a few big plays. But big plays kill you. This is how the <laughs> this is how the NFL works. Uzoma had two long touchdowns, fifty five and thirty two yards. Chase had that eighty two yard touchdown, and these weren't just bombs over the top. These are like the Ravens are just not tackling today. When have we ever seen the Baltimore Ravens not tackle and just letting these guys right through their arms and then off to the races again? And uh, offensively, too, worrying for the Ravens. I've talked about being hesitant to believe in this team because of Lamar Jackson. Well, because of what's left around Lamar Jackson, uh, when he came out in this game, because it was it, it was a wrap, and so it was time to put in the backups. But when he came out, at that point, he was responsible for all but 21 yards for the entire offense that Baltimore had, they had 11 rushes for 21 yards. And then he had 88 yards rushing and 257 passing. It's all him. And if the defense isn't tackling and the offense isn't helping, and there's not a whole lot else happening, it's hard for a guy to, you know, one man to to be one on 53 in these kind of games. This felt like a 53 man win though, Joe Burrow, you know, up to the challenge. I was big on Cincinnati on this game. This was my favorite pick of the week as a spread, but I wasn't quite willing to play the money line. I didn't think Burrow was ready to go to Baltimore and get the job done. I was wrong. 416 yards, three scores. Here's here's a question I have. The Bengals are the one seed right now. Joe Burrow is 50-1 to one to win the MVP right now at BetMGM. Is there any chance there? He's He's got to be in the mix, there, there, there's,
1: there's no chance he's winning MVP. I don't see that. Like, There's
2: just too many guys
1: right now who are playing better than him, in my opinion. I think right now, when I look at the MVP race, and I think there's five guys. You have Tom Brady, you have Justin Herbert, you have Dak Prescott. I think Mahomes has kind of removed himself from it. Yeah, I think so. I, I just think he's had too many turnovers. I think you have Kyler Murray, and I think you have, before this game, it was Lamar Jackson, so... Maybe yeah, like Bob Proxy, maybe that Joe Burrow is there, but I just don't I don't think he has the numbers.
2: Yeah, I just wonder at at 50 to one, he certainly is outside of that group mm-hmm. of players. But we talked, you know, when I I wrote about MVP race a couple of weeks ago and I brought up Baker Mayfield, who obviously isn't even playing right now because of the injury. But the premise was hey, if the Browns actually make a run and could get a one seed here, wouldn't you have to give some credit? Well, how about the Bengals? It's not like the Bengals have a much better reputation, and if they're doing this thing and Burrow is playing this well, I think there is some value at fifty to one. Certainly, is outside. I can't of argue mix. with that. I can't argue with that at all. I do think though this game, you know, we we've, we're seeing more of these games this season where it turns into a blowout, but wasn't necessarily thorough domination the whole way. It was thirteen to ten at the half. Ravens actually took the lead starting the second half. You know, then it turned into a blowout, but the Bengals scored touchdowns on four of their next five possessions. The other possession was interception in the end zone. Um, but, you know, they were playing on short fields the whole half because Baltimore, because of the Ravens, didn't just put their tail between their legs and, and go away. They kept going for it. And then they didn't get it. Then they turned it over on downs. And so Cincinnati's is getting some of these scores on short field. So certainly nothing to take away from Cincinnati. But You know, the game was a little closer, I think, than the final score indicates. Even so, huge win for the Bengals. We've kind of gone back and forth on like, all right, well, this is not a bad team. It's an average team. Yeah, maybe they're above average team. Looks like a playoff team at this point. So, definitely, you know, we'll, we'll talk about both these teams again in our playoff picture. Jamar Chase, huge game for him. Eight catches, 201 yards. I wrote down in my notes as I was watching this game, holy cow, Jamar Chase is the rookie of the year. He's got to be at a minus number at this point. And is he low enough that it's still worth investing in? You texted me like 20 minutes after I wrote that and said, man, the rookie of the year race, has got to be down to Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. So talk to me about Kyle Pitts. We're not going to do that game, but what are you seeing in Kyle Pitts? And do you think that he actually is in this race?
1: Kyle Pitts has been absolutely amazing. He has 31 receptions, 471 yards. He's probably one of the best tight end prospects we've seen in a long time. And when you look at the last two games, he's had 16 catches for 282 yards. He's become the second tight end in NFL history back to back 100 yard receiving games. And he's actually, his 471 yards are the most in a tight end's first six games in NFL history and his 163 yards are the fourth most in a single game by a rookie tight end. He's been dominant, and I think in any other year, we might be looking at him as the offensive player rookie of the year, but Jamar Chase is just on a historic run. It's it's almost unfair because Jamar Chase right now, he has 754 yards, and that's the most – from a, uh, any player in the first seven games in NFL history. And he's the number one guy. He's the, he's playing with Joe Burrow. They're on a better team. He had a big spotlight game against the Baltimore Ravens, obviously Kyle Pitts. He played well against the jets and he played well against the dolphins, but that wasn't the, the, the marquee game. And when you look at what Jamar chase is doing, he's he's kind of running away with this award. He's, He's about to shatter what Justin Jefferson did last year with a single season rookie record of 100 of 1400 yards. So we're looking at him, Justin Jefferson. They're, they're they're pushing this to where Randy Moss was in 1998. So Jamar Chase is incredible. Kyle Pitts has been incredible, but right now it's, it's Chase's to lose.
2: Yeah, I did some digging on Kyle Pitts. By the way, apparently it's National Tight Ends Day. Apparently that's a thing. We we literally have a day for everything at this point. So. You know, good job to you, Kyle Pitts, on National Tight Ends Day. So I looked, trying to figure out, okay, is this going to be maybe the best rookie tight end season ever? Because that's how you'd form the narrative. And looking back, a couple of the seasons that, that you'd have to compare to, Mike Ditka, Mike Old Ditka, 56 catches, 1,076 yards, and 12 touchdowns in 1961. He was rookie of the year that year as a tight end. So 1,076 yards—that's the record. 12 touchdowns. I don't think Pitts is going to get there. Only one score so far. We've got a lot of games left, though. Keith Jackson, 1988, had 81 catches for 869 yards and six scores. 81 catches definitely looks like it can be in reach for Pitts. Uh, so like th- that—that's the gold standard. Tight ends don't usually play this well as a rookie. The problem is that. It's great to be the best rookie tight end ever. It's a lot better to be the best rookie receiver ever, especially if the name that you might be dethroning is Randy Moss. So you mentioned that Chase has the most yards ever by any player after seven games, 754. He actually has the most yards ever by any player through eight games. He could just come out and sit on the field next week, and he would still be ahead of the pace. He's on pace right now, and granted, extra game. He's on pace for 1,831 yards right now. It's ridiculous. He's he's not a good rookie receiver. He's a great receiver. Period. Like he's got to be he, he's got to be a top 10 receiver in the NFL right now already, isn't he? It, like there, oh, there's yeah, not the, that yeah. many more guys that you'd want instead of him without a doubt. Like yeah. So so back to the odds. The odds I'm finding online. I see Jamar Chase. I do see a minus in front of his name now. That's got to be right. He's at minus 140. Kyle Pitts is 10 to 1 right now. I think other than those guys, it's the quarterbacks. Mac Jones is plus four fifty. Trevor Lawrence plus eight hundred. I thought one of these quarterbacks would separate. I don't think so. Fields is stinking right now. You know, Trey Lance is even playing. Zach Wilson is hurt now and has been terrible. Lawrence hasn't been good. Mac Jones, I don't know how he gets there. Maybe the Patriots, you know, win enough and make the playoffs, and you get that. This seems like chaser pet. So. What do you think between those two pits at ten to one or Chase at minus one forty? Is either one of those worth a play? I think both of them are actually worth a play. I, I always talk a, a lot about how I don't
1: like the hedge with certain things, but I think when it comes to subjective awards, it's always good to be able to have a few different wagers to hedge. And if you can like isolate the top two guys, you put yourself in a position to where you can get plus money and odds on something. So I think Jamar Chase is obviously the front runner. But when you look at what Pitts is doing, and they're heavily relying on Pitts. The Falcons were down, and they needed to drive, and they needed to throw the Pitts. So I think if you had those top two guys, you can't lose. And we can see how Matt Jones is doing later in the year, because I do think the Patriots right now, maybe they could they sneak into a wild card game. I mean, it's not out of the question, but, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that high on him. But I, I think there's some value you get the top two guys in Pitts and Chase.
2: Yeah, I think I think Chase has some real value here. You know, with these awards, especially for me, we know I love to play in my long shots and my long futures, and I tend to once an award becomes clear, just kind of check out and be like, oh, well, missed the boat. you know, we, we missed out on that when the value is gone. I think this award is clear. I think Jamar Chase is winning this award, like barring an injury or like a massive slowdown. He doesn't need the Bengals to still be the one seed all year. He's just going to keep getting the numbers and it's a numbers award. So minus 140, I think there's value there still because I don't know who else is going to pass him. Kyle Pitts is not a receiver. And at the end of the day, Chase is going to get more work than him. And I don't think voters are going to look at the numbers at the end of the year and be like, well, let's multiply Pitts's numbers by 1.4 because he's a tight end or like some, you know, some they're just going to look at the two numbers and be like, well, Chase has 500 more yards. So he's the rookie of the year. So I do think there's some value there. I want to get some money in on that. Even at minus 140, even, you know, drinking the juice a little bit. That's the only thing that can you know? Know. And even that has to be a pretty big injury. Because I think at this point, the cushion is big enough that you even could sustain. You could miss a few weeks and still, you know, have a decent shot at this one. All right. Up next, it's our stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it.
0: It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, Plug
2: your nose. It stinks. This is your Stink of the Week. And this week, very special Stink of the Week. We're not going with a betting angle here. Our Stink of the Week is just Kansas City Chiefs, the whole team, the offense, the defense, Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs collectively are the Stink of the Week. They scored three points today against the Tennessee Titans. Both of us were huge on the Chiefs this week. We believed in them. We went in. The Titans just destroyed them, 27-3. to It wasn't even really as close as that seemed. They both teams just kind of coasted through the second half. Titans dominated this one, and that's six days now. In the last six days, Titans have huge dominating wins against the Chiefs and the Bills. Is this game more to you about Tennessee, or is tell us more about Kansas City?
1: I'm going to say that it says me more about Kansas City. Like, Kansas City has been absolutely brutal defensively this year. They're dead last in EPA per play. They're dead last in success rate. They continue to turn the ball over at will. This team is just broken. And I think we're seeing that Mahomes, like play for Mahomes, can't even save this team. They only mustered three points. Look, we saw the Titans' entire secondary go to the hospital last week on Monday Night Football. They played on a short week. There's no reason for you to be able to only score three points on this team. So I think this says a lot about Kansas City. I mean, Tennessee has played two great games in a row, but even their win against the Buffalo Bills was misleading to me. To me, the jury is still out on Tennessee. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm officially very worried about Kansas City. I have lived these last few years for watch, wait for Pat Mahomes to fall behind and then hammer the live line. Give me the plus odds and just let me jump on it. And I noticed twice this game that I looked and so it was 17-0 somewhere in the second quarter and it was plus 325. And that's right about the spot where the Chiefs have turned these things around. They're about to get the ball back. They get the quick four or five play touchdown drive. Boom. Suddenly it's 17, 14 at halftime. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I have this free pass at a chief's chief's line. I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. And it's the first time in like three years that I've looked at that and been like, I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think Pat and the chief's offense have that in there. It's just, it's not working right. The D line was all over them up in the backfield at halftime, 27, nothing. That's a huge hole. You wouldn't ever even think about that for most teams. With the Chiefs, we look at it, it was 11 to 1. And I was like, man, I'm getting 11 to 1 to pay out on the Chiefs to come out, get the quick touchdown, you know, force the turnover, boom, right back in the game. I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. And it's telling too that the books are starting to be willing to lay that high number to get me to still think about it, even though this team is just not showing up. So the Titans didn't even play like this amazing, great game. And I'm not taking away from Tennessee. Like that's telling me more about Kansas city, Derek Henry. Like if you said the Titans won 27 to three, you'd be like, oh man, what Henry, ate 250 yards again. And three scores like, oh, he just tore them up. No, Derek Henry, 29 carries 86 yards, three yards a carry. Like that's, that is a winning formula for the chiefs. If, if you knew that's what he's doing, you think chiefs 27, three, you're like, oh, easy win. Then he did have an early touchdown throw, but this this wasn't a game that was all about Derrick Henry. This was AJ Brown looking healthy again. Big game for the, the Titans. Their defense looked good. I, I buried the defense, but the D line was was really looking good. Now Patrick Mahomes, another interception. At least one every game this season. He had a fumble. He had that late uh, the hit late, where it was the last play that he played. He kind of got his neck snap back a little bit. Looks probably fine, but you never know. And Mahomes. Does have, you know, he's kind of played through injuries each of the last few seasons at some point because he's he's so keeps the play alive so long and tries to do so much that he tends to get those sort of hits sometimes. So I don't know. Even in the second half, very telling. The Chiefs are down 27-0, remember. First drive of the second half, the Chiefs get in scoring position, fourth down. Andy Reid kicks a field goal. It's 27-0. Your defense can't get off the field. The Titans scored every possession of the first half. You kicking a field goal? What is a field goal going to do? Have you not watched how literally anyone has played you, the Chiefs, in the last three years? Next drive, get the ball back, kick another field goal. And they missed it, one of those two. So I don't know. I'm very worried about the Chiefs. For the the first time, I I think this team is in serious trouble of just missing the playoffs, maybe crashing out entirely. When you're giving up 9.2 yards per pass, you can't overcome that. You're at
1: a point where you have to score 40 every game. And it's pretty clear that the way teams are defending Mahomes this year with the two deep safeties and saying, look, you could could throw short and you got to complete these 10, 15 play drives. And if you make one mistake, you get one holding penalty or you're behind the chains on first and second down. I just don't think you can overcome that, like a defense that's this bad. And – Obviously, I think teams have figured out how to how to defend this this offense. So I think they're in serious trouble missing the playoffs. I know some people who actually took the Chiefs to miss the playoffs at plus 700. I wonder what the line is now. That I'm really interested in that.
2: Yeah, the yeah, the, it's bad. The Titans first half, Titans had five drives, eight plays, nine plays, twelve, eight, and eight. They just chewed up the clock. They scored on all five of those possessions. So I'm not quite as worried as about the chiefs offense as you're making a sound. The problem is just, there's no margin for error left. When you're literally giving up a score in every possession, you also have to score every possession and the chiefs are built to be able to do that. But if you don't a couple of times, and then your defense can't get off the field, suddenly it's the middle of the second quarter and you're down three scores and you've like gone three and out a couple of times, your defense is already shot for the rest of the game. And you've just, you've buried this hole for yourself. And I don't know, last year, even in last year's run to the Super Bowl, we saw this happen. We saw them dig a hole for themselves and then dig right back out of it. And, you know, we, we've seen Mahomes do that so many times. He certainly can still do it. They're, you know, we're, we're not saying that they're just going to go like 5-12 and 12 now or something, um, but it, it's problematic when you keep digging that hole. Uh, credit to the Titans defense, too. You know, Jim Schwartz came in, has made a big difference there. Uh, Autry, Landry, Dupree, and Simmons on the line. I, I really was impressed with the D-line and the, and the rush that they were getting. I thought that was really disruptive, too. So
1: It's interesting that they were able to, to protect Tannehill with all of the offensive line injuries. Obviously, Taylor Lewin got injured last, last Monday. Um, his backup left tackle was knocked out of the game. The ankle injury, he's replaced by Bobby Hart. Saffold missed a couple snaps today. And they still managed to pass together a unit. They only gave up one sack today. And I'm curious to see if it's going to catch up with them. The next week they play the Colts. They got to deal with DeForest Buckner. And that may not be the spot where it, everything clicks for them. Obviously, Kansas City has some struggles on defense. But I want to see how this team looks when they're playing somebody who can get to the quarterback and, and, and do some damage. So that's yeah, something to look for going forward.
2: For sure, yeah. The Colts got their big win tonight. Let's talk about just a few of these other key AFC games, then hit the playoff picture here. So, Colts came through for another upset special. For those of you that listened and played from Friday, plus one eighty-four moneyline winner on that one. Uh, we had an atmospheric river. I don't know what that is, but it looked awful. So let's uh, not do that again. Uh, sloppy thirty to eighteen win for Indianapolis. We had seven monsoon fumbles. Just repeated, repeated pass interference calls. Like that was the best play of the game was just throw the ball deep and let San Fran pick up another 30 yard penalty. So Colts came through for the win on that one. The Raiders cruised to 33, 22 win over the Eagles. Vegas had 17 points in a row with only two Eagles plays in that mix in there. So they ran away with it. Derek Carr, 31 of 34, 323 yards and two scores. Then the Raiders are atop the division at five and two. And then the Patriots massacred the Jets 54 to 13. New England has won 12 games in a row against the Jets by more than 20 points a game. Bill Belichick is 14 and 0 at home against rookie quarterbacks. So the Patriots, three and four, still kind of in that race. So the Bills and Chargers were off today. The Browns already won that ugly game on Thursday night. So let's kind of reset the picture here in the AFC. Not exactly what either one of us was expecting, not exactly what anyone was expecting. So we can all own that together collectively, world. So here's where we're at. Right now, at this moment, where the playoffs to start today, Cincinnati Bengals are your AFC one seed at five and two. They're undefeated in the division and the conference. So that's the tie break. The other teams at five and two winning their division, the Raiders and the Titans. So those are your three teams vying for the one seed: the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Titans what? Up next, the Bills, 4-2. and two. They're the other division winner. The Ravens at 5-2 and two and Chargers at 4-2 and two look like wild cards. And then one more wild card spot open between some mix, one team of the Browns, Steelers, Chiefs, Colts, Broncos, and Patriots, all kind of around 500 within a game of each other. So we want to just kind of talk about some of these different races and where we're at as we're somewhat nearing the midpoint of the season. So let's Start with the divisions here. Um, we've talked about some of these North teams. So AFC North, the Ravens are 5-2. and two, The Bengals are 5-2. and two. Cincinnati is technically leading the division since they got the win today and they have the tight break now. The Browns are up next. Steelers are 3-3, three and three, not out of this. So what are you thinking about the AFC North right now? AFC
1: North. I, I, I still don't like the Steelers. I, I, I think they have a solid defense, but I just can't. There's just absolutely no way I could trust Ben Roethlisberger and that offense. To me, it looks like a two-team race between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. I really like Cleveland coming into this year, but when you suffer the injuries that they've suffered, it's, it's tough. And they have a brutal schedule. They don't have the schedule that they had last season. I mean, they got to play the Steelers this week. Then they got to go on the road to the Bengals. Even playing a team like the Patriots is tough in Foxborough. You got to deal with the Ravens twice. You got to go with the Raiders. You got to go on a road to the Packers. I, I just don't like their schedule. So to me, I think it's between the Bengals and I think it's, it's between the Ravens.
2: So the Bengals are plus 350 right now. The Ravens are minus 130. So even though Cincinnati just beat Baltimore today and is a half game up on the division because of the tie break, they're plus 350. Do you like some value on the Bengals there? I do think there's some value. Because, I mean, when you look at what, they, what they've what they
1: done already, they have a win over the Steelers. They have a win over the Ravens. They're 2-0 in a division right now. And they beat both of their divisional opponents on the road. And they still have to play them at home. So I think that gives them an advantage over the next couple weeks. They got the Jets, which to me is pretty much an easy win when you look at what the Jets have done. I know there's no easy wins in the NFL this season. And then they have the Browns, who to me are still banged up. So... That could put them in the driver's seat. I do think there's some value, and then there's also going to be spots where you can actually head. I wouldn't mind taking that.
2: Yeah, looking at this division, I went through the schedules trying to see, okay, who's got the soft schedule? Who could maybe come out ahead in that way? The answer is nobody. Their schedules are all brutal. And why? Is because they all have to play each other like five or six times still, and every team here is going to be a tough game. Even Pittsburgh. I think clearly, you know, not not what they have been before, but still not an easy game. The defense is still tough. There's still going to be a tough out there. And most of the division games uh, in in the North are backloaded. So these teams all still have to come through each other. The Browns are going to get healthier eventually. So they'll be tougher down the stretch. Uh, Even the Ravens. We've talked about the Ravens. They're starting to get a little healthier too. So tough schedules coming up. The angle that I'm looking at a little bit, if your book allows a cash out, this is not something I necessarily believe in long term. Pittsburgh is three and three. The Steelers are 18 to one in the division. So here's the angle next three weeks for the Steelers. They got the Browns, the Bears, and the Lions. That's a very good chance to get to six and three. If you can go and get that one over the Browns, a banged up Browns, so we don't know who's going to play for that game. You get that one, you beat the Bears, you beat the Lions, you get to six and three. It's rough after that. Chargers, Bengals, Ravens, Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens. I don't want any of that action. I'm going to cash out. But if you can get in at 18-1 to and then three weeks from now, you're at 6-3 and hopefully if you like them against the Browns this week, I do think that there's a little value there. You'd have a shot depending on what else happens in the division. But I think that for the Steelers to win the division, you probably need it to be like a 10-win division when all four of them finish at 500 or kind of in that range. So I don't necessarily love it long term, but what do you think about the short term play? I'm
1: personally gonna stay away from it, but I'm not mad at it from you. I'm not. All
2: right, fair enough. I'll I'll take it. All right, let's look at the AFC West. So in the West, we've got the Raiders at five and two, the Chargers at four and two. So basically tied. Uh, the Raiders are off next week. The Chargers are off this week, so they'll they'll be even on games after next week. The Chiefs are three and four. The Broncos are three and four. Odds on this one do not match the standings. Again, like with the Bengals, the Raiders are leading the division but are plus 350 here. They're third in the in the odds to win the division. The Chiefs are ahead of the Raiders. They're plus 210 still. Still a lot of belief in the Chiefs. The Chargers are just about even odds at minus 105. I don't think we probably have to say much about Denver at this point. So what do you think about the AFC West between those three teams? Who do you like, and is there odds on any of those three or four teams there?
1: I think the Chargers are the best team in the division. I still don't quite understand the Raiders. They are overperforming the market, and I do think that said something. They beat the Broncos as underdogs. A lot of sharp money on the Philadelphia Eagles today, and the Raiders still pull it through. And they're likely going to be favorites over the Giants next week. I still don't quite understand this team. So the plus 350 on the Raiders... Is a fair price, but I'm looking at the Chargers. To me, they have the best offense. They have the best defense in this division. They probably have the best head coach right now. I think right now, Brandon Staley is just giving his team the chance to win more than any other team in this division. So I'm going with the Chargers.
2: Yeah, this one is tough. The Chiefs probably have the easiest schedule down the stretch, just in that they've had a pretty brutal schedule starting out here. They already have had to play the Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Bills, and Titans. That's five tough games. They also lost four of those games. They could have lost all five of them. If the Browns had finished the job, they'd they'd pretty much just be in a coffin at this point, if that had happened. So I don't know the Seattle gets a little bit easier, but they're in a pretty big hole to me. I agree that it's the chargers, but I don't want to play it right now. The reason is the Raiders are on a bye week they're on a, you know, two game win streak here. Then they play the giants. They're not going to lose to the giants. They, you know, they, they could, anything can happen. We're seeing that. But after that, they've got Chiefs, Bengals, Cowboys, Washington, Chiefs, and Browns. That's a rough stretch. I don't believe in the Raiders yet, but they would be six and two after they win that Giants game. So I think at that point, your odds shorten. Like The reason is this. I want to bet the Chargers, but not yet because the next two weeks, the Chargers play the Patriots and the Eagles. They should win those games, but they might not. They could lose one. There's no reason. There's very little for me to gain getting my money in right now up against the Raiders. Two weeks from now, the Raiders are six and two. Once they, you know, win that New York game, and if the Chargers have won both of their games, I probably can still play a line pretty similar to this one because suddenly they're going to be looking at this other six and two team tied out to the division. But maybe the Chargers lose a game, maybe I get a little better value, or maybe they just have another clunker or two, and I don't want it on the bet. So I do like the Chargers here. It's funny, this division looks so solid, and we were wondering would they get two teams, three teams? Could all four teams get in? We could end up with one team still? Like Probably two? I don't know. So let's start with the wild card. So assuming that those top six teams get in, uh, that means the Bengals and Ravens, that means the Titans, the Bills, and then for now, the Raiders and the Chargers. So here are your other options then. We don't have playoff odds yet, but I'm, I'm curious if there's any of these teams, Browns, Steelers, Chiefs, Colts, Broncos, or Patriots. Is there any of those teams that one of those teams, maybe two, but at least one makes the playoffs? Is there anyone you'd be looking to play their chances to make the playoffs at this point? I think the best two
1: teams on this list right now are the Colts. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm still going to give the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt. They're still, beyond this one game against the Titans, they are still one of the best offenses in the league. And that's going to carry you far in today's NFL. If you can outscore teams, and they're they're by far the best offense. Like, it's not even close. So I think you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They laid an egg today. But, like, when you look at some of these games that they lost, like, they should have won the Baltimore game. Even... The game against the Chargers, they turned the ball over at will, but they still were ended in the fourth quarter. So the Chiefs are going to challenge for a playoff position. And I think the Colts right now, they're just playing really, really good football. They have a big win over the San Francisco 49ers. They should have beat Baltimore. Like, I like the way Carson Wentz is playing. He's cut out a lot of the turnover-worthy plays. And even tonight against San Francisco, he found a way to win ugly. So I really, really like this team. I think the Colts are going to make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, what you like about the Colts, too, is they still play the Jaguars twice. They still get a Texans game. They get the Jets a couple of weeks from now. So there's some winnable games on the schedule for sure. Uh, we've talked about it already, but the Colts play the Titans this week in Indianapolis, and that is a monster game. So to me, I like the Colts, but I think, again, back to me being more aggressive here, for plus 325 to win the division. They're two and a half games back right now, two games, but they're down a tie break. You pretty much have to win this week. You have to beat Tennessee. You can't fall another game back and clinch losing the tiebreaker to them. So that basically is a money line play this week and then seeing what happens from there. But after the Titans game is the Jets and Jags. So the way the Colts are playing, if they get that one against Tennessee, suddenly you beat up on the Jets and the Jaguars, you're looking pretty good. And the schedule gets a lot tougher after that. But I do think Indianapolis is a good play here. I've got my eye on Cleveland. I think if I had to pick a team to make the wild card of that group, They're still a team that I feel decent about, especially because they could maybe pass one of those other AFC North teams still too and get there that way. But I don't see real value to betting Cleveland right now, just because we just don't know what the injuries like I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see with the Browns, Uh, the the line has not dropped enough for playoff odds. I'm still not even giving up on, you know, big picture stuff, AFC Super Bowl sort of thing. We're going to need much better from Baker Mayfield starting with, we're going to need him actually on the field. So I don't see much reason to get my money in on Cleveland right now. Uh, I'm going to have to just wait and see what happens with them. So last thing here, let's zoom out for the big, big picture. So who wins the AFC? We've got those three teams that are all tied for the one seed that none of us saw coming. The Bills are favored here. The Bills are at plus 200 to win the AFC, even though that they would be the four seed coming out right now. Um, Ravens 475 are next. Titans 600, Chiefs at plus 700, still the fourth favorite in the AFC, even though they are the eleven seed right now. So who do you like in the AFC? Who would you bet on if you had to make a play today?
1: Taking the Chargers at plus 800. Like I spoke earlier, they got Brandon Staley, and I, I think he's turned this team around. They've proven that they can win these close games. When you deal with the Chargers, you know that you got to stop this team on four downs. And unlike the Ravens a couple years ago, they have a quarterback who really can get the ball out. And do some damage. And I I think that's scary to deal with offensively. They're one of the most complete teams on both sides of the ball, other than the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, the Bills should be favorite, but at plus 200, I don't think you're getting any value. I I just wouldn't want to play that like at that price. The Chargers at plus 800, I think there's plenty of value. And the big thing for me with these futures is that I want to leave myself some room to be able to hedge it later they make the AFC championship game, I want to be able to say, you know what, can I bet the other side and make a profit? Or can I cash out of my wager and make a profit? And I think at plus 200, you don't really get that opportunity. And I think that the Chargers are next to next to the Bills are the most complete team.
2: Yeah, I think that I am willing to take the 200 on the Bills. They're, they would have to be my pick right now. I don't think that there's a huge amount of value in it, but I do think there's some you know, we talk about this a lot. The way, the best way by far to win your conference and get to the Super Bowl is to be the one seed. So, yeah. to me, this is a question of who gets the one seed. And looking at the schedules and the teams in the mix, I think the Bills and the Titans are the teams that are set up best to get the one seed. The Titans are tied for the one seed right now, and they just got big tiebreak wins over the Bills and the Chiefs. The Chiefs might not necessarily be a tiebreak at this point. Um, Tennessee has a crazy soft schedule coming up. They've got that whole division once they, if they can win this Colts game this week, they basically win the division at that point like nearly locked up. They still get to play Houston twice. they still have Jacksonville. they've, they've got a super soft schedule. They got Miami coming up. that looks really easy. It's possible that the Titans have zero teams left against a playoff team. They, they could not play another playoff opponent until the actual playoffs. So the Titans are set up well, but I believe in the bills. This is the time. If you like the Bills, this is the moment, I think, because you got to take advantage of all this momentum for all these other teams, and the spot where the Bills lost that game against Tennessee I think has provided a little value there. Next three games for the Bills, Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets. That's three wins. The Bills are winning those games, so they've been destroying these bad teams. So suddenly the Bills are going to be, whoa, right back, way out ahead. They're favored now, but they're going to be, I think, even closer to even odds at that point especially if the Titans stumble or some of these other teams fall a little further. The Bills, I think, only have one playoff game left on the schedule, a playoff opponent. That's the Bucks. So Josh Allen, 450 MVP, this could be your spot for him. I still like Brady. Uh, I think I would rather play once it opens in numbers similar to this for the Bills just to be the one seed rather than being the one seed and then still having to win two more games. But I like the value a little bit. I don't think it's a slam dunk here. I just don't love everyone else in the AFC. The bills are the one team that I'm actually pretty confident is good and going to win games. So I, I almost wonder is the move just betting on the NFC to win the Super bowl? Because in the NFC, I get the bucks, I get the Cowboys, the Rams, the Cardinals, the Packers. Those are all possible super bowl winners in the AFC. I got the bills. Like I, who else in the AFC do you really, truly think can win the Super Bowl at this moment in time? Don't know if there is anyone else. Is there anyone for you? I think the Chargers can win the Super Bowl. And I think I- the Chargers can win the Super Bowl, but that relies on them winning four games because they're not going to be the one seed in all likelihood. And, like, this has been a very volatile team. They're going to have a lot of those fourth-down conversions and a lot of moments to come through, and they have so far. I think they can, but I would put them – you know, a tier below these other teams. So, NFC is minus 130 to win the Super Bowl. I think there could be some value there just because we're seeing a clear power group of five in the NFC. And the AFC just looks open, especially if you don't like the Bills. This is a spot for you to grab whoever your sleeper is. This is your moment, I think. All right, let's whip around the rest of our Sunday action and wrap up week seven. The Packers coasted to a six straight win and covered 24 10 against Washington. Tough luck for Washington betters. Football team had the ball inside the 37 times, but converted that into 10 points. Thanks to interception, a block field goal, and three turnovers on downs. Dolphins had two touchdowns late to take the lead, but the Falcons drove for the winning field goal in our only close game of the day, 30 to 28. Atlanta covered if you played today. Miami covered if you played earlier. That line was right around the two-point spread there. So have to see which line you got. Sam Darnold got benched for PJ Walker. It is ugly in Carolina. The Giants rolled 25 to three. And pretty much the only other interesting thing from this game is that it was stuck at five to three for like 45 minutes, which, you know, why not? The Lions came out guns blazing with a touchdown, onside recovery, a fake punt, another field goal to go up 10 nothing. It all looked good. And then the Rams got the ball and they eventually won. Big day for Matthew Stafford against his old team. Another huge Cooper Cup line. Lines did cover, but the Rams won 28-19. Justin Fields had five turnovers. The Bucks crushed the Bears 38-3. Rough one if you bet the over here. 38 points at the half, over 47. You're feeling pretty good. Three points the whole second half. Sorry about that one. Tom Brady, four more touchdowns. Still quietly just hanging around that MVP race. First quarterback in history with 600 passing touchdowns. And Scorgami in the desert as Arizona beat Houston 31-5. to The Texans actually led this one 5-0 early in the second quarter and then didn't score again. They had eight first downs and 3.3 yards per play. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football.
0: The Action Network Podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner and they've got all the best features for NFL betting like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology so when you place a wager at BetMGM that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Monday
2: night in Seattle, a second straight primetime game. No Russell Wilson. We got Geno Smith back-to-back primetime games. The New Orleans Saints are on the road, four-and-a-half point favorites. Seattle is a plus-195 Moneyline underdog at home. This total is at 42-and-a-half. We talked about this game already earlier in the week, so I think I know where you're looking at this one, but are you still on New Orleans here? I'm still on New Orleans. Look, I'm not a big trends guy, but since 1999,
1: role favorites coming off a bye are 83-42-2 and against the spread. They're 97-37 and straight up. Saints, this is a perfect spot for their matchup against the Seahawks. Look, Seahawks, I know they had a solid performance in Week 6. And their loss to Stellars, they came back from 14-0 halftime deficit to tie the game and take it into overtime. But Geno Smith, he had a, a air yards of just 3.4 yards. So they're not passing the ball down the field. They're gonna be relying on a running the ball against the Saints defense, which is second in rush defense DBOA, eighth in rushing success rate, allowing just 43.7 percent of running plays to be successful this season. I've said it before, I'm pricing the loss of Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. was probably one of the biggest drop-offs we'll see from a starting quarterback to a backup quarterback in the NFL, and I think it's going to rear its ugly head in this matchup. The Seahawks are still a really bad defense. They're 22nd in defensive DVOA. They benefited from a favorable spe- schedule of opposing offenses. Outside of the Titans, Vikings, and Rams, look, the Seahawks, they opened the season against Carson Wentz and his first start with the Colts, and he didn't practice during the preseason. He just got thrown into the fire. So that was an advantage for them. Then they played a four ers team that lost Jimmy Garoppolo mid-game and then had to the turn to a rookie Trey Lance. Then they played the Steelers with the old flabby and sick Larry Holmes status Ben Roethlisberger. And while Ben Roethlisberger didn't take advantage of this defense that's 31st in drop-back success rate, I'm confident that James Winston will. And I know Jameis Winston, he's turnover-prone, but you could look at some of his games and see. He can throw that rock around. Look at his game against the Washington football team. They have a bad defense. He, he carved them up. And I think this is a big game for Alvin Kamara, a big game for Jameis Winston. I'm taking the Saints at minus four and a half.
2: You know what's really interesting about this game? This feels like such a garbage game that is really tough to get excited for. You go by DVOA, this is a top 10 matchup. The Saints entered the weekend, number eight in DVOA, the Seahawks, number nine in DVOA, Saints-Seahawks. Here we go, playoff preview. Yeah, it doesn't feel that way. Obviously, the Seahawks, number nine DVOA, that's counting all those Russell Wilson games, so there's a bit of an asterisk on that, but it, it doesn't feel like a great game. It should be an interesting one. The Seahawks' offense has been their strength. The Saints' defense has been theirs. I think, to me, You hit the nail on the head. I agree with everything you said. Seattle's pass defense, very poor, very just open for the taking. And this is on Jameis Winston. The difference is you're betting on him. I'm betting against him because you mentioned the trends. We've talked about this as well. Jameis Winston as a favorite, 8-17-1 lifetime against the spread, 32%. So you got more than two out of three times where Jameis doesn't cover the spread. Also in those games, only 14 and 12 straight up. So basically, anytime you say, okay, Jameis, you're the guy, it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip on will Jameis, the favorite, come through. And that's the thing for me in this game is it's Geno Smith and it's Jameis Winston who are two of the most erratic all over the place guys. I have no idea what's going to happen in this game. Could the Seahawks win by 25? Sure. Could the Saints win thirty-eight to three like they did in the opener against the Packers? Absolutely. Could be a blowout. Could it be a field goal game? Could it be close? You could tell me any script that came out of this game, and because Jameis and Geno are the quarterbacks, I would believe it. That like it, everything is in play. So, to me, that's the reason that I gotta take the Seahawks here. It's just a, a numbers play. Four and a half is a lot of points. I'm gonna nibble a little bit on the plus one ninety-five. I definitely don't like the Seahawks. I don't like that I keep playing them. But the numbers force me to here at plus 195. Basically, you're saying that the Seahawks only have to win this game one out of three times in order to make good on that number. And I just think, given the huge array of outcomes that could happen in this game, I just don't trust Jameis. He is the guy. Seattle's defense is open. Jameis could have a huge game. He could make me look stupid, but he can make either one of us look stupid with our money. It's a tough guy to have your money on. Uh, in our system at Action Labs, only Chad Henney and Jay Cutler are more profitable to fade when they're the favorite. So I don't think we need to say how we feel about Chad Henney and Jay Cutler, but if Jameis is in that group, I'm willing to go against him. Monday Night Football, he's 0-2 against the spread, both times as a favorite. So this is just a numbers play. It's an anything goes. So I'm just going to take the points, take the two-to-one that I'm getting on the money line, and and just see what comes of it. I'm not mad at it. I mean, we'll see what happens. May the best man win. (laughs) May the best men win. The, the Seahawks are, uh, one thing to note here, if the Saints do get the lead early, the Seahawks are number two on DVOA in the first half and number 60 in the second half and then number 27 if it's late and close. So if you want, if, if you're going to play Seattle here, you better hope that they come out looking good early because if they fall behind this one, you know, it could get ugly. I think either of these teams, if they fall behind, it could get a little ugly. I know Alvin Kamara's been good, but his metrics aren't that good this year. To me, this is a Jameis game. So th- this is just going to be a test of: Are the Saints actually a wild card contender? Their defense is still good enough. Michael Thomas will be back soon. You just need Jameis to show up, and he has to win a game like this if they're going to be there. So it's a good, uh, good test, litmus test to see where this team goes. All right, let's get to our Week Eight hot read and get you out of here.
0: Hot wrap. Blue seventeen on oh, ice rights ice cream. You guys have got
2: to be playing our hot read and look-aheads. On Friday, we gave you the Cincinnati Bengals look-ahead. The Bengals were minus three and a half against the Jets. It is now minus nine and a half. We haven't played any games yet. We have a whole week to move still, and you have six points of value on that line. So rest assured, neither one of us is going with that game today. Who do you like, Raheem, for your first hot read? I also want to say I
1: gave you guys the Washington football team plus four and a half. That's down to plus three and a half. But the first game I'm gonna go with is the Dallas Cowboys minus one and a half look. The look-ahead line on this game was Dallas Cowboys minus two and a half, and we're sitting at a consensus one and a half, two within the market, which means that we've seen a Cowboys power rating decrease during their bye week. Now, I know Dak Prescott was dealing with a calf injury, but he had a bye week to rest that off. So, playing against the Minnesota Vikings team that's also coming off a bye week, so I don't see why this power rating has changed. My model actually makes this game Cowboys minus three, minus three and a half. I know the Cowboys are a perfect six and 0 against the spread this season. And given that this is an efficient betting market, I expect to see some correction throughout the market. So they were a team that I was initially looking to fade as they come from this six and 0 stretch, but this isn't the spot to do it. These two teams are in completely different classes. This Cowboys team is first in scoring offense, scoring 34.2 points per game. They're second in success rate, fifth in EPA per play. Nobody's been able to slow down this this Cowboys offense. And I don't see that stopping against this Vikings team, which is 28th in defensive rushing efficiency. And given the two-back combination of Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, I don't see them stopping them. The Vikings are giving up 4.8 yards per carry as fifth worst among all NFL teams. So look for big days from Elliott and Pollard. And I think when you open things up to Prescott through the air, the Vikings are going to have a a tough time slowing down this offense. And you look at this Vikings team, they've made everything tough. Like, there's nothing been easy. They struggled to stop the Lions in crunch time and let them back into a game. They struggled to to stop the Panthers in crunch time. They let them back in the game and had to go play an overtime game. And even though the Vikings have plenty of weapons, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook, this – unit is just so conservative, and I just think Mike Zimmer is kind of in over his head with this team right now. I make this line three, so at minus one and a half, I got to take the Cowboys. I expect this number to get pushed up to the Cowboys, and we can make a decision later if we want to buy back and try to middle this game, maybe take Minnesota later at three, but under a field goal, I'm taking a better team.
2: Yeah, you buried the lead on this one. This is the Brandon versus Raheem game of the season next week. These are our teams. This is the Sunday night game. So this will be interesting. We will be podcasting right after this one gets over next week. So I think one of us may have a jersey on in our podcast for this one. But yeah, the line feels off to me. Mike McCarthy, I think, is 11-2-1 against the spread coming off of a bye week. So, you know, the Vikings are good off by a week. Mike Zimmer at home has been strong as well. So there are trends in both directions, but these teams don't feel even so far. The Cowboys have been very good. So definitely we'll say as a Vikings fan that I'm not necessarily planning on having my Jersey ready to go next Sunday night, but I will hope for the best. So I'm going to go with, we talked about the NFC or the, sorry, we talked about the AFC North earlier I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half on the road in Cleveland. So the last time these teams played was in the playoffs, and the Browns embarrassed the Steelers, 48-37. They blew out the first quarter, and the Pittsburgh kind of made it closer later. They had won two weeks in a row. They won Week 17 as well. Though no Big Ben in that one, kind of meaningless game. Still got the win, not meaningless for Cleveland. Before that. The Browns have been absolutely owned by the Steelers. Steelers 31 out of the 36 games before that had won uh, had won those games. Big Ben is 23-2-1 lifetime against Cleveland. His last regular season loss to this team was 2014, uh, back when Big Ben was still good. In fact, so uh, also I noticed this week, Stefanski is 0-6 against the spread in the division. As good as Cleveland was was last year, lost all six of those against the spread. Mike Tomlin as an underdog, big Ben as an underdog. This is their spot. This is where you want to back the Steelers. Tomlin is 40 and 20 against the spread as a dog. He's got over 500 records straight up as an underdog. Uh, same with big Ben, obviously since most of those are together. So uh, big Ben as a short underdog, three points or less. If it gets there 24 and 12 straight up 49% ROI. So that is massive and has won seven of the last eight in that spot. So I want to grab the Steelers here at three and a half. I'm grabbing in the hot read because I think that this line probably settles at three feels like kind of just one of those. All right, let's just keep the line right at three and see what happens. I think that's a mistake giving us the extra half point here to get the hook. So I'm going to grab the Steelers and might add more to it later, depending on where the line goes.
1: Yeah, I really like that. And I think it's a it's a perfect spot to actually catch the Browns with them dealing with, with so many injuries. So I, I like that.
2: Yeah. That's the thing too, is like, with all the with all the Browns' injuries, it's not like we're suddenly going to get to this week and be like, oh, hey, everyone's healthy again. We're ready to go. Like, if anything, the, the line moves toward Pittsburgh because we start to get some injury news of guys who are out. So that's why I want to grab this one early, too. Okay. Uh, what's your other pick? My second one, I'm gonna go with the Washington football team again. Look, they
1: took some really sharp money within the market this week. They were plus 10. They got bet down to minus seven. And when you actually looked at this game, it was probably one of the most misleading box scores you'll ever see. The Washington football team outgained the the Packers by 130 yards, outgained them a yard per play. Um, But they really struggled because they were 0 for 4 in the red zone. And they had drives to the Packers, 24, 27, 1, 3, 12, and 27. They had three combined points out of those. Like, that doesn't happen. And this Denver Broncos team is in a, a world of trouble. They've been dealing with injuries outside of their first few games where they, they basically play the Giants, the Jaguars. They haven't done anything. They haven't impressed me. Like, who is this Broncos team to be laying three and a half points? I gave it to you at plus four and a half on Friday. It's down three and a half. You giving me that book? It's, it's extremely valuable. Watch the football team had three fourth down failures this week. I don't see that happening against this Broncos team. They got carved up by Case Keenum. It got carved up by David Carr. I'm taking the Washington football team.
2: Yeah, we we like that hook. And my other play is another one of those three and a half lines at hook here. I was thinking about taking Seattle. We, I talked about how Seattle has kind of been a little better than we're giving them credit for. Seattle's home against Jacksonville, but I, at minus three, I like that one. It's starting to disappear to three and a half or four. If you can still find a three, I like that one. Instead, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers plus three and a half in Arizona. It's our Thursday night game. Big, good Thursday night game this week. And it's basically the same argument here. I'm taking the hook while it's there. It's not going to stay there. This is going to be a three-point line. We're going to just see what happens on this game. Aaron Rodgers, you we're giving a chance to Aaron Rodgers. As an underdog, Aaron Rodgers is eight and 11 straight up when he's an underdog of three and a half or more points. And he's won the last five times in that spot We had one earlier this season against the 49ers. The other thing I saw too, looking this up, Rodgers has never ever been an underdog more than seven and a half points, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, it just shows how, how great that he's been. So yeah, both of these teams are teams we've talked about wanting to fade a little bit. I don't have a huge amount of uh, faith in the Packers, but I don't have a huge amount of faith still in the Cardinals. They're winning me over certainly a little bit more each week. Green Bay's run defense is the weak spot. And so I don't think that the Cardinals can necessarily hurt them in a huge way there. I just like the Packers to hang around. This feels like a field goal game. It feels like a, who has the ball late and who has the ball last, who makes the field goal at the end of the game. So I have to like the three and a half here plus 160 money line. I might look at that as well. I'm guessing both of those come down a little bit. I just want to give Rodgers a chance. I think both these teams are a little bit worse than what we think by their records. But the Packers, at the last two years, 13-3 and three both years, and now this year they've lost the first one, then they've won and covered six in a row. Week after week, it's like, oh, the Packers have done it again. Oh, how did they get the call? How did Rodgers come through? At some point, you just have to trust that it's happening. So I'm trusting. I'm going to take Rodgers. Give me Rodgers in the three-and-a-half on the road, and we'll see if they can take down our last unbeaten team.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, honestly, I've been looking for spots to the Arizona Cardinals for a while it hasn't necessarily gone my way, but I think this might be the spot and obviously Kyler Murray has been banged up a little bit. So at the, at the bare minimum, the Packers should be able to cover this game.
2: I like the cover for sure. So I think that's the play for now. All right. That is going to wrap it up today at the action network podcast. Make sure to rate, subscribe and review. Stucky and Raybon are back Wednesday with their betting six pack and preview Raheem and I are back Friday for our usual run through the slate and the look ahead Make sure also to check out the Buckets podcast on the Action Network podcast network. The NBA season launched last week. Raheem and I and our team are coming to you four times a week, all season, covering all things NBA fantasy, betting, all the drama on and off the court. So make sure to get the Buckets feed onto your podcast wherever you download. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network podcast. We are on to week eight.